You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. That's right. Welcome to Texas Franchise Radio, Episode 1. I'm joined with my co-host, Robbie Marlowe. Robbie, what's up? Hey, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed Josh's rap there before this. <laughs> yeah, get him, get him up off the floor, you know. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> and I've got our good friend, Dan Goodwin of Provident Wealth Financial. Welcome. Pro- Provident Wealth Advisors. Pleased to be with you guys. A couple of uh, Shrimp Tank alumni. Nice to be back in studio with you and, and, and your digs now this time. I know, right? Uh, so yeah, we've we've loved being on the shrimp tank. You're uh, you're well uh, versed in all things radio, so we're glad to have you here to uh, assist and help us through this uh, first episode of Texas Franchise. Radio. Happy to be here. <laughs> all right, well, I guess this is the part where we got to talk about stuff. Yeah, and I think so. <laughs> let her rip. <laughs> all right, so so why the show? Why why another show? Why another business show in general? Why Texas Franchise Radio? Uh, Robbie and I both, we co-found a franchise model called uh, Delta Life Fitness Franchising. It's a boutique for women to franchise. But through that process, we've learned a lot about just franchising in general. And it is there's nothing more American than franchising. I mean, people being able to buy into a system and create their own business and uh, just the growth model, as the, the uh, intro told us, there's three different ways that a company can capture market share, right? You can either go the franchise route, you can do the hybrid, which is franchise and corporate, or you can do corporate growth strategy. It so, is the American dream to own a business, is it, really it not? Is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think franchising don't get the, uh, I guess, the notoriety it does in mainstream. You know, right now, popular being an entrepreneur, working for yourself, but franchising gives you the ability to work for yourself, but also the benefit of going into a proven model that's guaranteed, not, not guaranteed, but has the structure for you to succeed. It's a heck of a lot easier than starting from scratch. No, and, absolutely. Okay, I got to go make a logo. Okay, I got to get all this paperwork. I mean, you underestimate how much goes into starting your own business. And franchising, as the mantra goes, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Oh, absolutely. And that's, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think getting notoriety for the model uh, is uh, what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And there's so many misnomers, though, about franchising. And so why the show, to go back to that, Robbie and I got the chance to go to Las Vegas for the International Franchise Association Conference, which is the largest trade show where everybody gets together. Uh, People like Robbie and I get to continue working on our CFE, Certified Franchise Executive um, material, and you get to continue learning. And we found out that there is a huge misunderstanding in the American population about what franchising is. They, with the new administration, with the Trump administration, we have some stats on that, and we have a franchise outlook coming for you, uh, a lot of pro business regulation that's going to help us to be able to scale and do franchising better. But so many people think that your local franchises, your local McDonald's is just owned by some big corporation. And so they, they get excited about wanting to put more tax and increase the minimum wage on these big businesses like McDonald's. But what we don't realize is that that big corporate store that you think McDonald's, that could be your neighbor. Franchising is local business owners utilizing a growth strategy that is franchising and so over 60% of people think that franchising is owned by large corporations and not just your everyday citizens that have invested their own money to create their own business. So that is why the show. We want to correct and educate the market on what franchising actually is and bring some awareness to what a great model it is. Dan, you get... Well, I was going to say key word there, educate. And I, I think if someone is a prospective uh, franchi- franchise franchisee, they're looking at different franchises, you're... You probably have the mindset that, you know, everybody's got 
you know, a product to sell or a, a franchise to sell. But uh, uh, if I were looking to go on a franchise, I would be looking for something like your show here where I could get an education about pros and cons. You know, certainly franchising is not for everyone, but I would want to, you know, so, sort of an unbiased education. And, and from, from visiting with you guys, that's, that's my understanding of what you strive to do uh, on this show. And that's uh, one of the reasons I was uh, delighted to come and join you guys today. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. And, and that's it. We want to educate, advocate, and bring awareness of franchising here in the local Texas market, right here in our backyard. And you bring up a good point. Who's the show for? So this show is for three different types of people. It's for business owners looking to scale through franchising. So maybe I own Conroe Coffee here next door, and Conroe Coffee is the next Dunkin' Donuts, and we want to franchise it. How do we go about that? So if, you're, if you already own a business and you potentially want to grow through the franchising model, we want to help educate you on that. The second person is for is people who are looking to invest in a franchise. So, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I've already looked at a few different models. I'm, in, I'm starting to begin the investigation process to see which type of a franchise I would like to invest in, or maybe people who've already invested in a franchise. That would be the third group. So, hey, I already own a McDonald's and I'm feeling these struggles or I already own your local house cleaning franchise and I feel these struggles. What are the ways, you know, what is this franchising model? And because it is complex, franchising is very complex. It's one of the best business models in the world for growth because the franchise or gets to utilize other people's time, money, their capital, and their people. That's the three biggest things that stop you from being able to scale a business, right? The time that I have to put into opening the new site, the people that I have to get to run the new site and the capital to open the new site. The problem is like where it becomes a the reason it's just, why doesn't everybody franchise them? Why is there still corporate models? Why is there hybrid models? There's a lot that goes into it. I got a question. Can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah. So uh, I, I deal in the investment world and uh, I'm wondering, are there ever any investors that say, you know what, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I like the idea of an owner operator running this business. I mean, that's a guy with skin in the game. Maybe he's left the corporate w uh, workforce in some way or another. And maybe he needs some capital even to start his franchise. Do you guys ever see instances where maybe somebody, friends or family says, hey, I'd like to, you know, uh, have an equity stake in this franchise. And uh, I don't want to be an owner operator. I want to be a, a, an investor, so to speak. Does that, does that ever, you see that? So, yeah. And like anything else, like it depends, right? Like there, there's, that's it. At first glance, that's a, um, a scenario for disaster, right? Like we all know there's no such thing as a true mailbox check where you just walk out, grab your check, and you don't ever have to do anything. So there's a lot of franchise systems who protect against just having investors who don't want to also be operators. Uh, Jimmy John's, you mentioned Jimmy John's before the show as being a pretty interesting franchise concept. They're very strict about having the actual person who puts up the money be the the uh, one they train and the person in the uh, facility actually carrying it out. So it's it's tough, uh, but there is ways to make it to where people can invest and get it through. But if that has to happen, you have to, in the franchise disclosure document, you have to state that the person who is going to be operating it has to have at least a minimum number of percentage so that you don't train just some I manager off that. the street and they walk out, walk yeah. out the door. And you want, you want the owner operator to be all the way in, not just an investor himself and not, not just a, a job for him. For most, her, her. for most models, especially food, because food is so complex, you have to you have to have that that operator has to be in there until until they've been running for a long time and they're able to train up that manager to take over. Some of the service based businesses, you can have some investors come in. We actually we're going to bring some people on the show here in a couple months that 
they own three local franchises here in the area and they take on an investor every time they go to open a new unit. And that works really well, but they're very clear in the operating agreement about what that investment money gets them and what their obligations are gonna be for that investment. So like everything else, if you do it correctly, yes, it can work, but it is very tricky to make that work and it put, it does put up a lot of red flags. Mm-hmm. Good, good question though. Yep. Uh, so what is franchising in a nutshell? So if I was gonna ask you guys, what do you, what do you think of when you first think of franchising? Robbie, what do you think of when you think of franchising? When you say franchise, I just think of uh, the brands that were very popular or that are strong franchises, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Burger King, the ones that um, <clears throat> we seen when we were growing up through the franchise systems. Uh, just if you just tell me franchising. But as being in franchising, I see that um, operating systems, the way to do business, uh, branding, um, you know, franchising has multiple meetings, but, uh, you know, I have, I have the opportunity of being on both sides, being a consumer and a designer of my own franchise. Hmm. So kind of I, I, th- I think plug and play, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, traction, uh, a business that's, uh, uh, operational, all of these things, I guess I think about, uh, an awareness that half the small businesses fail anyway. And in franchising, you probably know the statistic. I don't, but I think the opportunity, the chance of success is vastly greater uh, in franchising when all of you guys have worked, you have a proven concept. And and that's, that's what I think about franchising. And that's when franchising is done right. Yes. And uh, franchising is very dynamic. I mean, there's over, uh, there's over 760,000 franchise businesses. That's both like, that's counting every McDonald's that's out there. But so that's, that's a lot, 760,000 franchise businesses in the world today. Uh, so it is a lot. And so there's a lot of room for error there. Uh, you do have a huge leg up on somebody that's just going to go and start their own business from scratch. And you've at least proven out, uh, a pro forma to know that these price points are what you need to hit these numbers to be able to get in the green. And you have that 36 month projection before you even start. Whenever you're starting something from scratch, you don't have that luxury. You're playing the guessing game for the first two years, changing the model every couple of seconds. You haven't proven it out. So that is one part that's, yeah, that's Dan, that's good feedback. Uh, franchising in a nutshell, just read you the definition real fast. It's an economic business model designed to capture market share through the combined franchisee and franchise or efforts to get and keep customers. So it's, it's, it's a two way street. It's like a marriage, right? Uh, and one of the biggest problems in franchising is when a franchise system, somebody comes in to buy a franchise because they want to own their own business, but they didn't want to take the incredibly scary part of being an entrepreneur. So they buy into a franchise. But then they also don't want to be an employee. And for a franchise system to work, they got to kind of follow the script, right? Uh, but a lot of times in franchising where that goes wrong is the franchisee starts to feel like an employee. Why is the franchisor telling me what to do? I'm, I bought my own business. Uh, and so that ownership mentality, if you take in an ownership mentality when you run a franchise, you start to see the other franchises in your own system as competition. So it creates, uh, it's, it's very complex. It's hard. A good franchisor has to use persuasion uh, to show the franchisee why they need to do certain things. And it needs to be a combined effort between both parties to get and keep customers. You know, you know guys, it sounds like uh, if you're considering a franchise that uh, this is a little bit of a journey into self to understand, hey, am I, you know, is, am, I, am, I, am I the right sort, uh, you know, to be in a franchise model or am I better being, you know, Rambo on my own, you know, and, and uh, how, how does someone kind of uh, ask, know to ask the right questions to, to make sure that there's an alignment in their, you know, their activities and, and what they're pursuing? 
That's such a good question. I'm going to bring the exact checklist. There's a, a new uh, book I just read called uh, uh, Franchise Industry, and it, it has a checklist for those questions you should ask yourself to see if franchising is right for you. I think Doug Ducey said this best. Me and Robbie uh, got to hear Doug Ducey give a speech one time on franchise. Doug Ducey, is the, uh, he was the founder and CEO of um, Cold, Stone Creamery. Cold Stone Creamery. I know my man would back me up there. Uh, Cold Stone Creamery during their largest growth run. Uh, incredibly uh, bright guy, and he used to say all the time. So if you have on one side of the spectrum, you have Steve Jobs. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have like a postal worker, like safest job in the world versus 100% entrepreneur. Who is a good fit in that spectrum for franchising, right? And the answer, Doug Ducey said, is you always want somebody right in the middle, but a little more on the Steve Jobs side, right? So you don't, full 100% entrepreneurs usually do not make good franchisees, especially mm. in a franchise system that's got 100 plus units. Now, if you get into a franchise system that's, 10, 15 units, they're still trying to figure some stuff out. So maybe you can impact the brand. And some people like being the pioneer. Some people like going into a young brand, being able to help the brand figure out a, a couple of last minute pieces and have a permanent impact on something that's going to, you know, win at scale. Yep. Hey, I think you ought to uh, quote that book again. Some, in case a listener wanted to write that down, it sounded like that was a, a very important book. Yeah, let me, uh, I'll pull that up in just a second. <laughs> well, a lot of times when you look into franchise, we're talking about being successful in a franchise system. Um, one of it is actually being a consumer of the product. A lot of the guys <clears throat> I've met at the IFA are through franchising, really fall in love with the product that they're going into franchising. So there's already a sense of either nostalgia or uh, respect for the brand when going into franchising. So Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, all right, we are getting ready to take a break here in just a second. So we're going to wrap that up. The name of that book was Franchise Business by Audi, and I will add that to the show notes so people can find that book. Uh, but we are getting ready to wrap it up for a break here uh, in just a second. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. All right, welcome back to Texas Franchise Radio. It's me, Robbie, and we got our good friend Dan Goodwin here today helping us out from the Shrimp Tank podcast. Guy does a great job over there. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, all right, so let's dive in real quick. So I know this is, again, this is episode one of Texas Franchise Radio. It's going to be up on the podcast. It's going to be up on our YouTube channel. You can listen live now here in Conroe on 104.5 or 106.1. Uh, but since this is episode one, I just want to talk real quick about, uh, you know, why are we up here talking about franchising? Just a quick intro for me and Robbie of why we're in the franchise industry and why we want to educate the market here on Texas Franchise Radio. And then we're going to do some roundtable banter. We're just going to ask some hypotheticals. What was, what are some uh, fun franchise models that we know of maybe when we were a kid or now and have some fun there. So uh, my quick story, I was in the Marine Corps for almost 14 years. 
Uh, really enjoyed that. Went in and enlisted, was a helicopter door gunner, and then became a helicopter pilot uh, along the way. Uh, me and Robbie started, me and Robbie and the wives, Cassie and Kristen. I guess we should probably give them a little bit of credit. You got to give them a little bit. <laughs> shout, shout out to the ladies. <laughs> uh, we started to build uh, Delta Life Fitness, and Robbie and I really are a good group to talk about, especially when we talked about those three groups that we can help. People who want to maybe franchise their own business, people who are looking to buy into a franchise, or people who are already in a franchise system. Because Robbie and I, we're not a, we didn't come from a, a ton of money. We didn't go to start some franchise with a lot of money in the bank. Robbie and I literally started from a park and grew with the girls, obviously. Me, Robbie, Cassie, and Kristen grew Delta Life from a park, cash flowed it through a corporate growth strategy all the way up to at 1.3 corporate studios. Um, then we went the licensing route. So we're very familiar with the difference between licensing and franchising eventually into a full-blown franchise. And now to what is a really cool franchise concept that rivals uh, all the boutique fitness, you know, uh, Cycle Bar, Orange Theory Fitness. Delta Life Fitness is a boutique fitness studio made just for women, 30-minute classes, childcare. And we've really got to see that from those days in the park of starting off with nothing, cash flowing it all the way through, all the steps of working with franchise attorneys, doing our own franchise disclosure document very closely with the attorneys, building an operations manual, all those things you need to create a successful. And we've done a lot of things uh, wrong along the way, bringing on, bringing on people who, you know, probably weren't a good fit, both at the corporate level, franchisees, licensees that now we have great relationships with and we laugh and we talk about all the things we've learned and a lot of them are still in the system and helping us build it and continue to make it better today. So that's kind of my story. It probably aligns pretty closely with Robbie's story. Uh, and like I said, just now, just now, Going from in the the very first time me and Robbie ever went to uh, the IFA, they said you'll really be a franchise expert and you'll, your franchise will be successful when you learn that if you franchise your business, it is a completely separate business model from whatever business you came into. Mm -hmm. So uh, the biggest step in my growth was the day I realized I was no longer in the fitness industry; I was in the franchise industry. Yep. And so that's what I've been on the path of the last three years of just trying to learn everything franchising. Uh, Robbie, what a uh, pretty similar story, or <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, native Texan, uh, born and raised here in uh, Beaumont, Texas, right down the road. Uh, dad was an um, <clears throat> oil field guy. He worked in engineering, and then that kind of took that route when I started growing up. And uh, I never was something I was really into. I always wanted something else. I, always, uh, I was a dreamer, and uh, somehow me and Josh got together, and I got into fitness. I had my own weight loss story. Uh, Josh been in the Marine Corps. I took some advice from him, and I shed about 60 pounds, got myself back in shape, got healthy, uh, had a little girl, so... Uh, I had to uh, take care of myself, and I found a love for fitness at that point. And I was never really in love with fitness, but I uh, started in the park with, uh, and it's a, kind of a joke back and forth, I uh, started in the park with five people, um, had to beg my mom and cousin to show up so I wouldn't be the crazy guy in the park. And a lot of that has to do with um, with Josh helping me out and, um, and pushing me to the next level. But once we got um, up and going and got our three units, um, I think during that process, I think me and you sat on the phone more than I actually talked to my wife. <laughs> You know, because he was in Florida, I was in Texas, and he was in California, I was in Florida. It was, uh, we never worked together at the same office, but we always worked on the same dream. And, uh, you know, like Josh said, the biggest thing was realizing we're not in the fitness industry, we're in the franchising industry, and really diving into franchising and what that means, and understanding that we all, at the end of the day, want to help people, no matter what business we're in, fitness business we're in, uh, providing uh, wealth management, or we're, uh, you know, building a franchise and giving somebody a model they can take and go be successful. So, uh, understanding what the franchise business was and then uh, diving into it and really finding out a passion that this is, I can still help and, and affect families. Uh, 
you know. You were a little more primed for franchising than I was anyway, just the way your brain worked. <laughs> I remember uh, we were young men in Southeast Texas. I came home for Christmas one year from the Marine Corps. I hopped in your truck to go ride somewhere. I think we were probably 20 years old. And in the side of your truck, you had a franchise book. Uh, you and your dad were studying different franchises to look into. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the beauty we talked about earlier, franchise, it's a proven system. Back then, I didn't know what I wanted to get into, but I wanted to get in something that was being that I knew that was going to be successful. I knew franchising um, at least gave me a path to get there. So really diving nice. into franchising early on um, allowed me to uh, fall in love with the model and what franchising is. Nice. Can, can, I, can I ask you guys a question yeah. about that? So uh, I happen to know you personally. I know you have a really uh, good, strong partnership, and, um, and I think that's awesome. But people are leery of partnerships. And um, uh, what's typical as a franchise owner, do, you know, do you, I guess sometimes there's a solo sole operator or you may have, uh, you know, two people that come in and say, hey, we want to be 50-50 partners in this franchise. What do you think about that, you know, pros and cons of, of, of somebody, you know, considering a partnership in the, within a franchise? Great, great question. And uh, Dave Ramsey says all the time, it's, it's funny. He says the only ship that don't float is a partnership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, enough said. <laughs> That's, yeah, I get it. And then, the, and then the only thing worse than a partnership is a family partnership. <laughs> so uh, me, Robbie, Cassie, and Kristen, we get that question a lot on every radio show we go on and a lot of interviews because there's so many ways to mess it up. But uh, so the pros and cons, you're absolutely right. So uh, the, if you do it right, if you if you go back to uh, Michael Gerber's E Myth and the way he talks about, it, there is no such fifty fifty equity partners are great. You can you can you can always be fifty fifty on how the money is split. You can never be unclear about the roles and responsibilities. Dan, you know we're a big fan of the EOS system. Gino Wickman's uh, book Traction is an excellent book. They recommended it at the International Franchise Association for all franchisors to follow. If you lay that out, if you build your accountability chart, if you stick to a system and a set of rules business becomes less of you did something I don't like and I'm frustrated with you. And instead it's a set of rules that we follow and everybody plays by those rules. We're all super passionate about what we're trying to build. So of course, every now and then you get disagreements and those sort of things. But as long as you always go back to the set of rules and follow those uh, partnerships, as long as very well defined and clear can absolutely work. We're going to bring on people on this show over the next few months that are franchise partners. And we'll ask that same question and we'll see how that dynamics go in between the two of them and, what they've done. But I'll tell you, you always hear the bad about partnerships or working with family. What you don't hear is the good. Building a business is incredibly hard. Oh, yeah. I and can't imagine. You guys, and you have offsetting skills and talents and that you bring, right? Isn't that part, part of what makes your partnership yeah. work? Absolutely. All four of us have our little niche of what we're really good at, and we stay in those lanes, or we try to. Yeah. Um, but whenever it gets really hard, it's nice to have some people in the trenches with you can fall I ask, back on. Can, can I ask you something, maybe a little harder question? Yeah. You know, so are you guys, I mean, or 50-50, you know, what if you had an impasse? I mean, do you recommend that, that somebody has like a, you know, 51-49, so effectively that, you know, there's one, you know, captain of the ship in the event of a conflict or an impasse? Yeah, and so uh, you you do, and there's there's ways to set that up, and it doesn't. So the good thing about Michael Gerber's book, The E Myth, is those numbers don't have to be tied to equity. Uh, in your operating agreement, you can stipulate that however you want to. I don't, you know, just the way Rob, like you can still have an operating agreement that deems the CEO that still gets final decision on day-to-day okay. -day operations. And you can still be 50-50 owners. And you, can oh, still be, and you can still be 50-50 equity. And then if- Good point. And then so you have an operating agreement that says CEO is responsible for day-to-day -day decisions. However- in all these really big cases that could affect the 
the equity owners. It's got to go to a board, and here's how the board has to vote on those things. Got it. So as long as you're crystal clear in your operating agreement, it doesn't matter how that's, the equity That splits. solves the problem. Like yeah. it. Good stuff. And I think so, a lot of time and early in partnerships, people get in business, they don't think down the road. They just think, we'll figure it out. And they don't ever have the tough conversations that, uh, you know, we've had. I think one of the biggest things, especially when me and Josh went into business together, is um, I knew that if something ever happened in this partnership, that would affect my wife and her family. And that was a big, uh, like, hey, we've got to figure this. If we're going to do this, we got to figure out the best way to do this so yeah. that don't happen. So yeah. we've been uh, proactively um, with our communication and just the way everything's set up is to try to stay in front of whatever disagreement there is and, and don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Like, hey, you know, yeah, I didn't, it didn't go my way this time, but it's okay. But knowing the operating agreement is there, you know, in the background, should should this situation escalate? Anyway, Absolutely. that's Absolutely. great. You were about to ask me something right yeah, before I, I kind so, of fired so, that question uh, off at you. No, good question, though. And so you've heard uh, my intro into franchising. You've heard Robbie's. Uh, Dan, what got you so interested that you wanted to, uh, that you recently just asked us about buying a 10-pack of Delta Life Fitness franchises? <laughs> what, what, uh? I tell you what, if I could bring franchising, you know, to my world, I might look at it and consider it. Um, we do comprehensive financial investment and tax planning. Yeah. And I have to utilize, to do that, I have to utilize strategic partners. So I utilize board certified estate planning attorneys, business attorneys, but they have their own practice. I have to utilize a CPA sort of firms uh, that have their own practices. I use institutional third-party money management. If I could somehow uh, dream up a concept that was um, immaculate, I'd bring all of those disciplines really under one roof. We we actually we do that in a sort of a way, but um, but it's it's not really all under one roof. And and I think if if that were uh, uh, possible in a franchise model, it would be Katie bar the door. It could be wildly successful. Okay. So I wonder if, you know, because Edward Jones is corporate-owned, right? Those are all corporate-owned. I know I know with uh, financial wealth advising and all that, it's highly regulated like anything else. Is that, are you able to franchise that model? Is there regulation that would prevent well, you from franchising? Yeah, that's, that's you know, you, you identified, uh, you know, a big firm there. It's got, I don't know, some 7,000 advisors, but, there, you know, there's no there's no real franchising to that. It's, yeah. uh, you know, they, br they bring in, you know, a lot of young kids off of the, you know, fresh out of college and, um, you know, in that instance, not to take a shot at anybody, but 95% of those kids, you know, don't make it, don't last, don't stay. Yeah. And there's this um, concerted effort to leverage their friends and family and all of that for, you okay. know, uh, sort of broker dealer product sales. But um, I'm, I'm not aware of a successful franchising concept in our world. I, yeah. I you know, I mean, I, I just don't see it. I, you see medical medical people you see um uh that you know that open you know dental clinics and things like that you don't really see franchising as a successful uh, delivery method in 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 our, over in our world and i wonder whether that is because we know that the service for for years food has been the largest sector of franchising but service is quickly starting to surpass food and franchising so i wonder why the, uh, i did however uh just read that it is a mistake to try. One of the beauties in franchising is that you want to simplify down systems that it can be done at scale. And anytime you accomplish something at scale, it does have to be simplified down, right? You don't have professional chefs in McDonald's cooking the hamburgers, right? right, right You've right. simplified it down. So I did just read that it is ill-advised to start a franchise with anything that needs highly technical skills. And they mentioned yeah. uh, things like you wouldn't franchise heart surgery, right? Because it's too hard to find heart surgeons. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, I guess if you were to franchise it, they'd have to have, they have, the owner would have to be an operator and meet a certain level of expertise 
That's how I would probably look at it and if I can find that. Because if I was, you know, a doctor, chiropractor, yeah. and I was going to start my own firm. Still don't want to have to go through the work of starting your own <laughs> do, thing. Do I want to have to go figure everything out or do I want to find somebody that's already did that part of it? Yeah. And then I can start my own firm. So that's, it'd be an interesting. I wonder uh, why you don't see it more attorney. Uh, and Well, kind of back to that, uh, you know, the, the statistic that half the small businesses fail. What's the success rate in the aggregate? You know, uh, you have any, you know, we, idea we, on numbers on that? We do. Uh, you, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of articles out now that are going against that. It's forever. We always heard like, you know, small business failure is this high percent and then franchising it's only 5% fail. Uh, that's, that, that number's misconstrued. It, I actually just read a couple days ago that compared one-to-one, the actual failure rates of franchise business versus non-franchise is the same, all things considered, because there's so many brand new brands that you've never even heard of that you could open, or you could open a franchise model tomorrow for no kidding, less than $5,000. That's, you know, so, um, if you're looking at a total investment cost of a hundred thousand or less for a franchise, and they have less than ten units. Uh, that's going to have a much higher failure rate than if you know ones that are a little more figured out and they have a really complete good franchising document. They've got a complete operations manual. There are you know ten plus stores. A lot of those stores are doing well. Um, you've got a startup cost of two hundred fifty thousand or higher. Your success rates are going to be a lot higher there. So it really depends. Let me ask both of you guys a question that. Uh you know, uh, uh, I'm thinking about the listeners here. If uh, let's say I worked in a corporate job for 25 years and I built up some assets and, um, you know, things happen where um, my job's, you know, eliminated or, and, you know, and I look at, I start looking at, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing a franchise. What are some things that uh, me as an individual would want to, you know, make note of and steer clear of when I see a, fran- a franchise firm, um, you know, representing their uh, product or service, however it is, their franchise offering, what are some things that would be a red flag that I would I would want to um, stay away from? So there's a lot, and there's too many to mention right here, but there's a book called Take the Fear Out of Franchising. I'll add that one. I'll add that one to the show notes as well. That book, the entire book is written around exactly that statement, mm. uh, Dan. So Take the Fear Out of Franchising is a is a beautiful book, but it, again, it depends, right? Like, are you a super conservative person who wants a low margin return and you want a well, it, it basically comes down to the initial questionnaire. What are you passionate about? What kind of risk level are you comfortable with? What kind of business do you see yourself or would you be excited to work in, right? Do you see yourself more as a pioneer who wants to have an impact on an early brand? Or do you want to go into the most established brand in the world with a very conservative you know, uh, risk that has a low projection. Um, the best thing to do is ask, you know, you need to answer that questionnaire yourself it's finding, first. It's, it's finding the right fit, isn't it? It really is. It's yeah. everything. I mean, no, no matter what business you go into, no matter what's the financial projections in every franchise disclosure document, a lot of the more established franchises will have an item 19, which has their financial disclosure document. Uh, everybody tells you not to really go off that. You need to go talk to the other franchisees. You need to, so that answers the financial picture. Well, kind of. That answers the financial picture for how that operator can perform there. You are going to do well in whatever you're a good operator at, what you enjoy. So it really comes down to what kind of business are you already naturally suited for. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. That makes sense. That's probably the most important thing uh, to think about. So, um, Dan, if you were going to buy into a franchise system, what is what is one that you've thought about? What is something that what's a, what's a brand that you like? Well, uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, a, fr- a friend of mine, um, a really good friend, 
uh, you know, had a, had a career change and, and uh, he's onto a franchise thing that uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for him and with him on his journey. Uh, I'm alongside he and his attorney and his uh, accounting team as a consultant for his franchise. Uh, and have you ever heard of a, something called Dogtopia? Um, so dog, those are really popular right now in the franchise yeah, space. So it, it's not a, a dog boarding and it's a lot of money to go into yeah. one of these franchises. It's not a, um, uh, you know, a uh, dog uh, overnight stay thing, but it's, it's, uh, you guys have young kids, right? Did you ever have your kids in Jimboree? It's like play day. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like play day. It's like daycare for dogs. And um, when he told me that uh, he was reading about it, he said every part of his logic and reasoning said, this is just, uh, in, you know, no, no way this would work. But apparently these demographics, there's a lot of millennials that spend a lot of money on their pets and they drop off and pick up their kids kind of, uh, pets, it's kind of like kids, kind of like daycare. And so um, it's a successful model for, I think they have like a hundred stores around the country doing really well. The name of it is Dogtopia? Dogtopia. My friend this week is in uh, Phoenix going through a week long of franchise training uh, oh, wow. over in Phoenix. And I'm just real excited for him. Man, to, good for him. Yeah. To, uh, you know, to take this new, I think he's so well suited there. There's just such animal lovers. When we go out yeah. of town, we're friends. We've known him from church for a long time, but we, you know, we drop our dog. He's local. Yeah, we drop our cow, our dog Cal, our Australian Shepherd off, and and they're just like you know, my dog's like they're his family all of a sudden like that. So he and his family are incredible animal. I talk about what their people are passionate about, and um, it's it just was such the right fit after he probably went through some discovery like you're talking about yeah. and you know, asked ask some hard questions and had some prayer over it. I mean, their, their family is, uh, you know, going in this as a, as a family endeavor, kind of like you, your family is. So, nice. so anyway, yeah, I was just excited about that new franchise that I had no awareness of until he came across. We've uh, heard a lot about, about it. It. The, the pet space is picking up yeah. more and more. We're about to run to a break here, but yeah, the, the, the pet sector in general for franchising is really starting to bark fest and a couple yeah, of others. It's really, it's really uh, blowing up right now. Yeah. The natural foods, different things like that for the pets. All right, we'll kick it over to a break, and we'll be right back on Texas Franchise Radio. This is Rick TRC. Every Monday through Friday from 3 to 7, I play today's country hits on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star, the type of music that makes you want to get off your seat, stomp your feet, sing along at the top of your lungs, and not care who hears on Lone Star Community Radio, Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1, and as always on Worldwide, IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast. Create your first YouTube channel and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Welcome back to Texas Franchise Radio, show number one. We've already uh, covered why the show, what is franchising. We've had a little roundtable discussions. We're now going to dive into my favorite part of the show. It's franchise statistics and then stomp the chomp. Statistics. Okay. <laughs> Big Rob versus Dirty Dan. So gonna, oh my gosh. Winner gets winner gets all the bragging rights. All right. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Like, like Facebook bragging rights. <clears throat> you wanna just arm wrestle me now, get this over with and <laughs> take me down. 
Uh, okay, so if you missed any of the show so far, go back and check it out and learn why we're here, what we're doing, how we're educating the local Texas market, all things franchising. Uh, so just a couple of things. Uh, top 100 franchises. Uh, usually they're you know pretty large brands, and we've got a top 10 list here. I'll just run down those real quick. The top 10 as of 2018 is McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, Pizza Hut, 7-Eleven, Marriott International, Remax made the list. What is the last two? We got Dunkin' Donuts, International um, Continental Hotel Group, and then Subway. Poor Subway took a hit this past year. Went from number four last year to number 10. I think it's a fallout from, uh, you know, like I said, I won't throw anybody on the bus, but there's no uh, protective area in Subway. So you have Subways right next to Subways, and they're having a tough time. Rumor is in New Orleans, there's two subways that are literally touching each other. That's one of the, the that's one, most most franchise uh, businesses have a protected area, right? Like a three mile radius. You can't have another one inside of that. Subway has no protected territory. In the small little town Robbie and I grew up in, there's four subways mm. and there's no way that it can support four subways. Did you uh, see something on, in the news recently about 7-Eleven? I think they went into China. You know, is is uh, Uh you guys seeing these uh, franchise go into you know international markets? Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's they have a whole section on that when we go to the International Franchise Association. Like they always say, the best market, and that's actually a statistic, is the best market is the North America market, and they say dominate that first before you try to go international. But uh, look, Dan already knows some stuff about Seven Eleven, and it's coming up on our stump the chump series here in just a second, Uh Robbie. You better freshen up. Yeah, looks like uh, I need to stump the chump. Uh, so real quick with franchising, like I said, just over 760,000 franchise businesses, uh, 3% of the U.S. GDP. That's incredible. Um, at IFA this past year, the franchise industry's largest trade group uh, says uh, Congress and Trump administration's work in removing regulatory barriers and stimulating the economy has really helped encourage the growth that grew over 6.2% last year, which is one of the biggest jumps it's had in a long time. Okay, are you guys ready or stump the chump. So the way it works, rules. I'm gonna ask each person. <laughs> yeah, not everybody at once, right? <laughs> I'm gonna ask each. I'm gonna ask Big Rob and Dirty Dan four questions apiece. You get one point for each correct answer. If you do not answer, the other participant will get a chance to take a shot at it. Person Dang. with the most points gets bragging rights, and then we do have a tiebreaker if we need to go to that. All right. Okay. Are we ready? Did you get the answers in advance? I didn't. I, no, I didn't either. So okay. this is brand new to me too. Dan. All right. I can promise you he did not. I wouldn't. I'm hoping he loses. Letter, letter rip. I will warn you though. Where's Rob, Rob is there is, dunce cap around here? I <laughs> need to go ahead and put on right now. <laughs> Look, this, right. The sound guy's looking for one. <laughs> I'm going to warm us up with a couple of softballs. All right. Uh, Mr. D- and this is, you know, some fun facts and then some franchising facts. So we'll see here. Uh, Dan, who won the 2017 Major League Baseball Championship? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Astros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a meatball. Yeah. All right. Dirty Dan on the board with one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robbie, again, uh, another easy softball here. Uh, where would you go to find the Sea of Tranquility? <laughs> the Sea of Tranquility. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Dan, do you know that one? The sea of, where would I go? Where would you have to go to find the Sea of Tranquility? I would probably head towards uh, the Mediterranean. So it's actually on the moon. I don't know if it, uh, okay. <laughs> anybody knew that or not. <laughs> Just a couple of softballs. I figured those were yeah. pretty close to the same caliber uh, question. Um, okay, so back over to uh, Dan. You talked about 7-Eleven, the 7-Eleven franchise. Every franchise has a high and a low estimated startup cost. 
what do you think the high end startup cost of a Seven Eleven would be? The high end, a million dollars. A million dollars. One million. Robbie, what do you think? Uh, One point five. Oh man, Robbie got this one from you. It's one point six. Mmm. <laughs> All right. So over to uh, so that's one. We're point in a dead heat, Rob. Uh, so a good follow-up question to that, uh, Robbie. Out of that one point six on the high end, how much of that is for the franchise fee for a Seven Eleven? How much of that is for the franchise fee? Uh, Seventy-five thousand. And Dan, I would say um, one hundred and fifty thousand. Dan gets that one, but it is one million dollars. <laughs> it's the franchise. <laughs> fee. Whoa, good for Seven Eleven. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of that you get most of the it's probably you, probably the entire store. Well, you get probably, yeah a year's <clears throat> worth of inventory or something. Like, hopefully, just, hopefully you get something to uh, you know a fully equipped store. <laughs> yeah, got to give that point back to Dan though. So if somebody Dan, is a Seven uh, Eleven operator. If you know the answer to that, send it to the show. Yeah, send it in. You can send it in to Texas Franchise Radio at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and send it in. All right. Um, back to Dan. Where is the 7-Eleven corporate headquarters located? It is in Frisco, Texas. Man. Mom, did you know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Am I right? You are correct. It's right around. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. I, a shout out to uh, one of my clients in our wealth management firm that uh, – uh, works there, and that's uh, I just was <laughs> a guess, but at least I know where my one client who works at Seven Eleven. I know where he lives. <laughs> that was a quite the lucky guess, but Rob, you're behind on the count three to three to one. Uh, to my man here. All right, back over to Rob. So, <clears throat> Rob, Wiener Schnitzel franchise term is how long? And I'm going to give you a multiple choice. The Wiener Schnitzel franchise term. Again, uh, another thing, Dan, on every franchise agreement, you have a term for that franchise before you have to re-up and renegotiate. The Delta Life Fitness franchise term is 10 years. Wiener Schnitzel's franchise term is A, 5 years, B, 10 years, C, 15 years, or D, 20 years. It's D, 20 years. My man got it. He just asked you how long was your Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> Good job, Rob. Back on the board. Two to three. It's getting close. All right, uh, Dan, I didn't plan this out, but, you know, you're back to that. Maybe you got a buddy that works at the Burger King headquarters as well. Where is the Burger King headquarters located? Multiple choice. It's in Miami. Jeez, I didn't even need the multiple choice. <laughs> I happen to know that because uh, we happen to know uh, who was the CEO of um, Brenneman, Greg Brenneman, when he yeah. left Continental Airlines. That's he, right. He became a CEO we're, uh, we know their family, and okay. my daughter went to college at Baylor with his daughter, uh, Bethany Brenneman. No way. And, yep, we know the Brennemans, and uh, when he took that role, they, their family moved to uh, Miami. Next time, Dan, you got to just say, well, I know this that is, because I know we're all of them. This all. is one of the perks of being older, guys. It's just <laughs> like, you're not any smarter. you just been around, you, you know, you collect uh, <laughs> funny facts. Rob, I hate to tell you, but he didn't even need the multiple choice on this. <laughs> he just said I'm thinking he got the Miami. answer beforehand. It's the good we got about four. <laughs> All right, here we go. Robbie, what is the high-end startup cost of a Burger King? The high-end, so you got on the franchise, you're talking about, you got a low-end, you got a high-end. For a Burger King restaurant, what is the high-end? Closest one wins. Robbie gets the answer first. I, mean, I think it's going to be 1.5. That's going to be a go-to number. Two. Answer is 2.9. Man, Dan walks <laughs> away with it. <laughs> okay, that was it, but the tiebreaker would have been uh, the tiebreaker would have been how many sub oh, Subway restaurants are there open and operating? You guys probably both 
know that, but uh, as of June 2017, Subway had approximately 45,000 stores located in 112 countries. Uh, yeah, with the largest being North America, they have 26,400 units here in the not uh, in the United States. And with that, we are getting ready. Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't have a, it's oh, a fire. Yeah. We have a plastic fireman cap. That, well, I don't uh, even know. Does the winner or loser get that? <laughs> I'm guessing. We'll flip loser. a coin for it. <laughs> So this week on Stump the Chump, my man Dirty Dan has bested Big Rob. Rob, you're my, you're my trivia, well, my trivia guy, man. I don't know. I know. I know. Well, you, you got to let the co-host, uh, you know, you got to let the guest. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. First question: we, we, we who, who who won the baseball championship? You know, that was a that was a freebie. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you for joining us on the first episode of Texas Franchise Radio. Dan, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Uh, it was a it was a really fun show. We'll see you back the last Tuesday of next month at 11 a.m. Right here on Lone Star Community Radio for Texas Franchise Radio. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you back next time. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio Network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast channel 12 our city tv and conroe or channel 21 kvqt in houston and of course their youtube channel this production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by lone star community radio have a question regarding this program or other lone star community radio shows want to sponsor or start your own show call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.